103 down, 185 to Today's audio is my version of your childhood. Well, if you're a late Gen Xer or early millennial, or like me, identify as a Xennial. From 1984 until 1996, 22 Sunday nights a year, many of us sat on our parents' bed, the den couch, grandma's plastic-covered carpet, yes, this was real, and tuned in to watch the legendary Angela Lansbury solve crime. Not just any crime. Not capers, not hijinks, not theft, not espionage or blackmail, though sometimes those crimes were adjacent. In the guise of the famous author Jessica Fletcher, we watched a murder get solved every week. Murder, she wrote. Beyond the iconic theme song, which is grooved into a deep part of my brain, I remember only bits and bobs from watching this show. But most notably, I recall the lack of real fear at its premise. It was cozy murder. I am someone who even now cannot watch jump-scare horror movies, and with few exceptions, gory things make me faint. But murder, she wrote, was something different. Something awful. Murder. Packaged as a puzzle for a smart, fearless, persistent woman. Years before the true crime podcast boom, we were hooked on murder. Spanning my first year in kindergarten to my senior year in high school, Murder, she wrote, was popular with a capital P, and there was a lot of it. Imagine a world now where a show has 22 episodes for 12 seasons. In this era, ironically called peak TV, what we really have is a lot of scarcity TV. How many episodes total will Ted Lasso have when it wraps up its third and final season this spring? About 30. Peaky Blinders after six seasons? 36. The Wire? A relatively hefty 60. Mad Men? 92 hours of perfection, in my humble opinion. But murder, she wrote, 288. What? How do I know this? Because so far I have watched 103 of them since October. Why? Well, I don't have a particularly good reason I started, nor that I am continuing, but I will say that I am committed to finishing. Last fall, at a rented apartment on Chicago's South Side, the only app working on the television was Roku, which happens to offer the entire series of murder, she wrote. Why not start at the beginning? Season 1, Episode 1, I thought. 
See what I remember. It will be the perfect end of a long day, relaxing chatter for the background of my life. Oops, it turned out to be something more. I got hooked. Hooked on the tidy plots, wrapped up in 45 minutes, with the good guys on top, the bad guys in jail, and Jessica's look of bemused hilarity captured in freeze frame at the end of every episode. I got hooked seeing the clothes and cars of my childhood. I love how gullible the show thinks we are, claiming that the dry countryside in Marin County or the back lots of Los Angeles could stand in for Maine, Georgia, Nebraska, Moscow, or any other manner of destinations Jessica finds herself in. It is so low budget, it's practically kitsch, and I am here for every moment of it. The gender, racial, and geopolitics of the era also seep in. Men make terrible jokes at the expense of women and trade on stereotypes. Black characters are always underestimated good guys who surprise you with their intelligence. Soviets are terrible. Swedes are icy. Cabbies are rough. Jessica rolls her eyes at them all, but there they are, nonetheless. By far, the most exciting part of watching episode after episode is the guest stars. As many as 10 to 12 new ones every week. This definitely does not happen on Ted Lasso. Guest stars made shows like Love Boat what they were, but Murder, She Wrote takes it to the next level. The writers aren't booking a cruise, so they have to work extra hard and stretch the bounds of credibility to fill a weekly show with reasons for Jessica to meet so many new and impactful people in her life. Thus, she has many cousins, nieces, nephews, old friends, dear old friends, childhood friends, and former students that she stays in touch with, close enough touch to get the call when one of them is murdered, accused of murder, or witnesses a murder. It's a lot of people, and a lot of murder after a while. Here is a partial list of some of the guest stars I have spotted that are still at it today. LeVar Burton, Courtney Cox, George Clooney, Jeffrey Tambor, Charlotte Ray, Caitlyn Jenner, Ernest Borgnine, my kindergarten crush from V, Jane Badler, baby Joaquin Phoenix. I could go on. It's truly outrageous. Hey, y'all. Please allow me to interrupt with some fun announcements of live type things. If you're planning on being on Cape Cod for Memorial Day weekend, How about considering coming to see me open for the righteous, all-women, Led Zeppelin tribute band, Les Zeppelin. Carl will be there. He will be headbanging with his very soft and floppy ears. Next, tickets have just become available for my August hiking concert here in Western Mass. Grab them now. They went like hotcakes last year. Here's how it works. We hike gently to a nice spot. I play you a completely acoustic concert. We hike back join us. I know these gigs are Massachusetts-centric, but fear not. Denizens of Seattle and Atlanta, there are productions of Miss You Like Hell coming your way soon. And finally, if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can come see a workshop presentation of my new musical, Out Here. It's hush, hush, hush. So here is the link. All the other events are linked below or on erinmccune.com slash shows. If you are listening, make sure you go to erinmccune.substack.com for the secret hush hush link. Also pictures of Carl. As always, tell a friend and thanks for listening or reading or both. Back to the essay. You may wonder, 
if at this point I am tired of watching Murder, She Wrote? The answer is yes, but I am committed. Part of my identity is that I finish what I start. You can depend on me. I will persevere. Perhaps this is much like the actors and writers of Murder, She Wrote themselves. Being deep into season five, I can sense a little bit of dullness creeping in. The sparkle of the original set of episodes has worn off, worn down by what must have been the extraordinary grind of producing so much content. They don't call network shows golden handcuffs for nothing. If this is how it is in season five, what will the next seven seasons be like? Am I trapped in a dark hole of diminishing effort and increasingly outlandish plots? We'll find out next week on Murder, She Wrote. The other day, I watched an episode and recognized a familiar face I couldn't quite place. I keep my IMDb open on my phone when I watch, so I can put a name to any face I wonder about. This is like a kind of beer bingo without the beer. Who had Dinah Shore on their card? Lo and behold, the face I recognized belonged to an English actress, Judy Parfit. This name may not mean much to you, but she is a staple of one of my favorite shows and one of the few long-running series in today's peak TV, Call the Midwife. She plays the ancient and habited Sister Monica Joan, but here she was youthful, sparky, red-haired, and dressed in a killer sequined suit with enormous shoulders. Here she is in her early 40s, playing an import-export merchant-turned-book-agent that Jessica meets at a cultural attaché party in Glasnost-era Russia. Judy Parfit, you contain multitudes. As tired as I am, I am glad I am sticking with my Murder, She Wrote project for moments like these. I find it kind of inspirational that Judy Parfit is still around doing her thing on TV. Maybe on days when I feel like giving up as an artist— I'll think of Judy Parfit and the fact that she now plays an old nun on a hugely popular show. No hair or makeup hours for her. She says a few pithy things each episode, then totters away. Some things are worth waiting for. Thank you so much for listening because the next few weeks are batshit crazy on my end with travel and creative obligations facts of life will be taking a little break you can expect me back late june or early july for a check-in because who has time for more than that in the summer anyway take care y'all